You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. So Romans, the eighth chapter. This is the chapter that tells us, you know, if you're going to live by the flesh, you'll die by the flesh. Apostle Paul really getting down to brass tacks in this chapter. He's saying, you know, if you'll mortify the deeds of your flesh, then you can live after the rudiments of the Spirit. In other words, God does have an expectation on believers. And we're very, very good, and, and rightly so, to preach grace. <clears throat> but in our age that we're living, the grace message has kind of gotten perverted because it doesn't put any expectation upon the believer. And there is an expectation for the believer to live for God, to live right, to live pure, to live holy. Now, that holiness is found in Christ. Me, in and apart from God, I have no holiness. It's All I can offer is filthy rags. But with Christ as my Lord and Savior, in Christ, I can do all things. I can live above sin in Christ. Otherwise, I cannot. And the beauty is that if I sin, I have an advocate with the Father. Someone who'll stand in the courts of heaven and plead my case. He belongs to me. He's under the blood. Yes, he made a mistake, but it's already taken care of. Aren't you excited about that? So Romans, the eighth chapter, put your finger on the 22nd verse. In the King James, it says, we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. In the Amplified, it says, we know that the whole of creation or of irrational creatures has been moaning together in the pains of labor until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves too. We have and enjoy the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, a foretaste of blissful things to come. And we groan inwardly as we wait for the redemption of our bodies. Now, in the King James, it gives you a little more understanding. Or not in the King James, but in the Amplified. It says, we, we are waiting for the redemption of our bodies from sensuality and the grave, which will reveal our adoption, our manifestation as God's sons. For in this hope we are saved, but hope and the object of it which is seen is not hope, for how can we hope for what? He already sees. But if we hope for what is still unseen by us, we wait for it with patience and composure. And so too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness, for we do not know what prayer to offer nor how to offer worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit and what his intent is, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with his will. We are sure to know that God being our partner in their labor, all things work together for, for 
and are fitting into a plan for good and to for those who love God and are called according to his design and his purpose. I will stop right there for the moment. As I was driving in today, something just got deep in my heart. And I was still wrestling with, where, where are we going, Lord? What do you, what do you want to do today? Uh, you know, it's not for the lack of study. Oh, I studied the Word this week. I was in prayer. I was in meditation. I was seeking God's face. But sometimes getting a clear, definable understanding of what it is God wants. I don't ever want to come in here and be guilty of just being a canned preacher. And I, and I don't mean that in a bad way because there's nothing wrong with studying a subject, getting on a subject, and staying with that subject. There's nothing wrong with taking the, the Word of God and starting with a book, say the book of Ephesians, and starting with Ephesians 1 and preaching all the way to the end. Uh, there's nothing wrong with preaching in, the, in that way. I tend to shotgun a little bit more from subject to subject to subject to subject. And, and all of those are acceptable in God's will and in God's way. So I'm not belittling or demeaning anything, but in my heart, it's always been I want revival and I want God and I want the fresh and the now and the spontaneous and what it is that God wants done in this moment. And so as we were traveling in <clears throat> this morning, this scripture just got in my spirit for some reason and it just kept laying there. And I got to thinking about all of the things in this life that have been subjugated because of Adam and Eve's fall in the garden. When you look at a rose bush outside of your house, you see the beautiful flowers in spring, sometimes in the fall, depending on whenever they bloom. But you see the beautiful flowers. And this time of the year, I think it's what's tulips. What else comes up? Some daffodils, crocus. I, I've, we, we planted a bunch of those, and they did just that. They crocused. <laughs> We, we don't have a green thumb at our house. <laughs> Anything I plant's going to crocus, that's for sure. If you've ever seen my garden, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, I was thinking about it, and it just, this dropped into my spirit. And uh, I may be adding something else to this, but, but for right now, I just want to stop and think about this moment. When you, when you come out and you see... The flowers in spring, and they're so beautiful, but they're fleeting, aren't they? They don't last long. The slightest change in the condition of the weather, and they're here and they're gone. And some of them come and they're seasonal, they're in and they're out, they're in and they're out. Oh, this is going to mess you up. I'm going to mess you up. Do you know that was never God's intention? Had you ever thought of that, really? That was not God's intention. This is what the Holy Spirit was saying to me. It was never my intention for the world to be renewable and seasonal as it is now. That was not the original intention. The original intention is a flower grows, it never dies. It grows, it never dies. The animal population doesn't have to repopulate all the time because it's going to go to a certain extent and then they're going to live forever. The same with mankind. We weren't originally designed to die, just to populate. 
And don't believe all the stories you hear about the 7 billion people on the planet and we're running out of space. You could take all of the 7 billion people on earth and put them in a geographical state in the United States. God didn't make the world so that it would run out of its resources. It was originally created to sustain forever. We were originally designed to sustain forever. But it was subjugated because of Adam's treason. You know, there are people, and, and I'll be real careful with this because I can't put my name on what someone else has said. Okay? But there are many people that have had near-death experiences that will share with you that they got glimpses of heaven, and, and every one of them come back. I, I've heard this across the board a thousand times from people who claim they've had this, this experience that flowers in heaven sing. Wow. The plants in heaven have such life that you can step on the grass and it bounces right back. It doesn't destroy. It doesn't leave footprints. It just comes back. Now, I can't say that. I don't know that. But if that be true... It sounds to me like it's in line with God's original intention is that everything sustained, everything lived, nothing died. Everything was supposed to continuously be, always, always renewed in God. Now we're in a, in a situation because of the subjugation of man that flowers no longer sing. The eagle, when it was created, every flap of its wings says there is a God. When the lion roars, it says there is a God. But instead of the eagle's wings flapping and bringing unspeakable glory to his name, the word says that all of creation groans. If we could only get out of this trap. If we could only get out of this misery. Every time the snake kills a rodent, it was never intended to be. And so the snake is subjugated to doing things the snake was never intended to do because of curse. And when you look at life in that lens and in that view and you see it and you get this down in your heart and in this understanding in your heart, we're living so far beneath the means for which we were intended Most of our life is lived in just the struggle to survive. Who could say amen to that? Most of our life is, is from struggle to struggle instead of from glory to glory. Most of what we do in this life is trying to figure out how to make it to tomorrow. 
But God's intention was to live this life and live it to the fullest. To live it to overflowing. To live it in abundance. To walk with him, talk with him, fellowship with him, talk to him face to face. That was the original intention of man. Thank God that although we were subjugated by the first man, Adam, God sent us the second man, Adam, to redeem us from the curse of this life. We have a hope that this struggle, all of the physical mess, is going to end. And when it ends, it's going to end with the world seeing, I've been adopted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's going to end and all of the struggle of this life will one day be restored. We have that promise in the canon of the word. That one day the earth shall be renewed. And everything that has gotten topsy-turvy, messed up and out of shape will come back to the fullness of restoration. But we have something right here and right now. For we have the earnest of the Holy Spirit who resides within us, who has taken the victory of Christ Jesus and engrafted it into us. Everything Jesus won belongs to me. The word says that I'm a joint heir. I, everything Jesus won belongs to me and you. You and me, whichever is the better way to say that. Whatever, whatever Jesus won is mine. Jesus came here in the, from the opulence of glory and the perfect will of God into the curse of man and lived above it and provided for me a way out of the things that I could not control, the passions, the impulses, the things that held me bound and kept me trapped. Jesus has come along, and when he, when he set me free, when he cried, it is finished on the cross. It just started for me. When he finished, I began. Woo. Victory began when Jesus finished. Victory began for all mankind when Jesus said it's over. Fulfilled. The final exclamation put upon the writings of your adoption. My child exclamation point. Now, go with me. Whew, I didn't know I was going to do this, but I know what now. Go with me to John, the 14th chapter. John, the 14th chapter. I'm going to read out of King James, so this has got the these and the thous. Let not your heart be troubled. Because you believe in God. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. I could, I could just reread that over and over and over. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Don't be troubled. You believe in God. Don't let this life tear you down. You believe in God. 
Don't let the, the momentary struggle from place to place that's supposed to be from victory to victory get you into a, a, a place, a, I'm going to say this not good English, in a funk, in a fog, in a place of, of mental delusion. Understand this, that just because it looks like it's from tragedy to tragedy, the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, is making it victory to victory to victory. Mm. And if you can believe in God, then your heart doesn't have to beat you up with trouble. You don't have to be troubled over where you are in the present here and now because God's already got this. He's already gone before you. He's already won the battle, and he's already handed you the victory. I don't know what that does for you, but that excites me to know that no matter where I am in God, I win. As long as I can believe in God, I win. As long as I believe in him, nothing designed against me shall, shall win. Nothing that comes against me shall prosper. Everything that comes against me shall fall to the ground. Why? Because I believe in him. Now, I didn't say you won't go through something. I didn't say you won't face a trial. I didn't say you won't go through a hardship. I didn't say your body won't try to fail on you. I said if you can believe in God, you win. Yes. Amen. Mm, look at this. Was that preaching? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Jesus said, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be also. And whither I go, you know, uh, I, I go, ye know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, Lord, we, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In other words, he's saying, Thomas, don't get troubled. Don't get troubled because I said I'm going somewhere, and you can't figure out where it is I'm going. Don't you worry about that. You believe in me. You believe in me, and I am that way. I am the way you're looking for. I am the way to get you to where I'm going. I am the open door that's going to get you to the mansion that I just told you I'm going to prepare for you. I'm going to make you a palatial palace, and when you get on the other side, you're going you're gonna to live in, the, in the, the victory that I have given you. You are going to be more than an overcomer. In this life, Thomas, if I just leave you to your own devices, you'll probably never rise above your poverty status but in me you're going to live in opulence because I'm the way just look to me the way now excuse me when pastors get excited they choke <laughs> but look at this we often start let not your heart be troubled In another place it says, neither let it be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. But look at this. We always start right there, but you know that's not the context and that's not the place to start. Jesus is teaching the disciples. And he's letting them know that he's going to go away. 
He's going to do some things, and he gives them a new commandment in verse 34. It says, I'm going to give you a new commandment. I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Last Sunday, love was displayed in this place in a very tangible way. And, and listen, we cannot let that fall to the ground. We must keep reaching across the aisle. We must keep reaching across the generations. We must keep reaching one to another to keep that love alive with inside the walls. Because if people come in here and they feel the love of God, then, then they're going to know this is the place where God resides because God is love. But look at this. I'm going to show you something. Verse 36. And Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither thou goest? And Jesus answered and said, Whether I go, thou cannot follow me, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. And Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? How many want to go with God right now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. How many have ever had the Lord show you what's really inside of you? Verse 38, And Jesus answered and said, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Really, Peter? Really? You'll die for me, Peter? Really? You'll die for me? Really? And then he says, verily, verily, when he says, verily, verily, if, he's, if he tells it twice, he's trying to get your attention. He says, verily, verily, I say unto thee that the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me three times or thrice. I know you think you know what's in your heart, Peter, but I really know. I know in your human reasoning, you're doing the best you can do. But I'm going to help you right here. Let not your heart be troubled. This is where this contextually fits. Peter has just gotten a word from the Lord Jesus that's unsettling. Jesus has just told him, you're not as loyal to me as you think you are. And you're going to mess up. And you're going to mess up big. And when you do, everybody's going to know it because there's going to be an outward physical sign of a rooster crowing. And you'll know and I'll know in that moment that you have done what I just told you. Look what he says. But don't let your heart get troubled over this. Because you believe in God. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. But don't let your heart trouble you that's the God we need to serve look at this look at this this was a moment and I, I spoke of this Wednesday night we all live in moments a moment is a small glimpse in time it is a snapshot if you will in time it is a clicking of the hand of the clock. 
And in this moment, Peter thinks, I'll stand with you. I'll fight to the end. Oh, how often I feel that in my own heart. I'll never fail you, God. I'll always be with you. I'll carry your message to the ends of the earth. How often I feel that way. How many feel that way? Come on, be honest. We all feel like mighty, valiant warriors who's going to carry the cause for Christ. And we would never back up. We would never say, we would never cower in a corner. We would never back down to the world. We've got your back, Jesus. But this was a moment. And sometimes we live in moments, we have moments in our life, good moments and not so good moments. Moments of great victory, moments when we're shouting, moments when the world looks at us and they think, what a powerful uh, man or woman of God. I can stand up here and pray for people and healings happen. I can pray for people and miracles happen. I can pray for people or just walk towards people when the power and the unction of the Holy Ghost is with me and watch them collapse under the weight of the Holy Ghost. But you better not get to thinking it's got anything to do with you because that's just a moment in time when God has pulled you out of your ordinary useful place and brought you to a place where he could use you as a tool for the kingdom. I might be sitting in a coffee shop somewhere and the conversation turns to Christ and I deal with somebody who's struggling in their life and before I leave they've come to the knowledge of the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and it's a moment in my life and just about the time I look like I've really done it, I'll get cut off in traffic and things come out of my mouth that shouldn't come out of the mouth of a child of the most high God and you go man this place is so holy you all just look like (gasps) and in that moment you go oh oh God what did I just do What was I thinking? And in this moment, Peter's been let in. In this world that should have never had heartache and pain and suffering and difficulty, Jesus is giving a reality check. Because right now, following Christ, they all feel bigger than life, and they're about to overtake, and they're about to overthrow, and their kingdom is about to become the kingdom of the earth. And Jesus gives him a teaching moment. You're about to find out what it is to have a less than stellar moment in your walk with me. You're about to find out what it is like to blow it. But Jesus is telling him ahead of time. Don't you love that about God? God's so merciful. He's like, hey, you're going to mess up. Is that not a loving God? You're going to mess up. He doesn't let you walk around thinking, I'm I'm all that in a bag of chips. He's not going to let you strut around. Do the chicken walk everywhere like I'm so cool. He's going to bring you to a reality. And here's the reality. We all blow it. And sometimes we fail. And he's letting Peter know you're going to fail. You're going to fail. 
But here's a hope, and I want you to write this down. If you've never heard this before, you've probably heard it, but if you haven't, here's something you need to know. Failure isn't final with the Father. Because he foresees what's going to happen in your life. He's already foreseen the places and the areas of your weakness. He foresaw them before he gave you the call. And he trusted you enough to put the call in you anyway. He trusted you enough to put the gift in you anyway. He trusts you. He's equipped you. And he knows. But the beauty is that failure isn't final. And failures happen in moments in our life. A failure does not have to define you for the remainder of your days. A failure is a snapshot in your life. Have you ever gone through grandma's old photograph book? We don't do that anymore. We just pull up the computer and it's like everywhere. But in the old days, we used to get the book. And, and a lot of my grandma's pictures, well, they were all black and white. I don't know if there's any color ones hardly in there. They're all black and white, and they're all of these stoic people that I don't know, and I've never seen. And I flip through there, and I look at all these people, and my mother's going, that's my uncle, and that's my friend, and this is my grandpa, and this is, and I'm going, I don't know any of these people, right? And you look at that, and you look at their life, and my, I can't help in my mind go, I wonder what their life was like. From this snapshot, they either looked happy, sad, Whatever the snapshot says. But what was their life really like? I don't know. Because this is just a snapshot. This isn't the totality of their life. And until someone who knows the history shares with you about that person's life, you don't know anything about them. It's just a snapshot. I want to encourage you today that failure isn't final. God understands that sometimes we make mistakes even when we have the best of intentions, even when in our heart we're saying, I'll never fail you, I'll never leave you, I'll never do wrong. And if you have a snapshot moment of failure, do not let a snapshot moment define your life as a failure for the remainder of your days, you are not a failure. You had a failure. You are a child of the Most High God. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Mm. I'm having fun. I got to quit, though. So let me say this to you. Don't abandon your faith in a less than stellar moment. Because your end is determined in the grace of God, not in the definition of your failure. Jesus is having grace right now on Peter when he says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't let this take you out of the game and give up on your faith, Peter. Because you're going to blow it but you shall recover. You're going to blow it, but you're going to rise again. You're going to go down and have failure written over this moment in your life, but you're going to rise again and become 
everything I said you were. You will be the rock. You will be the foundation. You will preach foundational truths. You will lead the church in the charge. You will build churches and you will preach the gospel and you will set standards and you will help set the course and the order for the church. But you're going to have a moment in Christ like Peter. We all Fail forward. Turn with me to the book of Acts real quick, and we're done. Acts, the second chapter, verse 14. If I was to start at the top and read all the way down, it's the day of Pentecost, when the church was birthed. After Christ is gone, he sent the disciples to the upper room, started out a 500 people, but now it's dwindled down to 120 because there's only so many people who are willing to stay to the end. There's only so many people who will pay the price all the way to the end of something. But guess who was in the mix? Guess who stayed the course? Peter. Verse 14, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Then it shall come to pass in the last days God will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dream dreams and all my servants and my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show you wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved mm. Let not your heart be troubled because we're living in a time that feels as though nothing is going right. Let not your heart be troubled because society's lost its way with God. Let not your heart be troubled because you're struggling with your own self and your own family. Let not your heart be troubled because the church universal has lost its way. Let not your heart be troubled because mankind has thrown it all into chaos and it's upside down. Don't lament that your flowers don't sing in the morning. Don't weep because your life doesn't look 
like everything the Bible describes yet. You believe in God. You believe in Jesus. Just when your business was ready <laughs> to turn its best quarter ever, you had that one setback. Destroyed it all. But let not your heart be troubled. Roger, when you retired, I bet it felt like, wow, awesome. Woohoo! Life's going to be the most awesome ever. Have you had any moments since you retired? He's like, Phew. handful anyway. Yeah, life sets us up over and over and over because the way life's supposed to be isn't the way life is. The way it was ordained in the beginning is not the way it is. There wasn't supposed to be death and dying and hardship and heartache. It wasn't supposed to be broken and backwards, things messing up. There weren't supposed to be accidents that hurt us. There wasn't supposed to be miserable failures that make you feel like a fool. There was never supposed to be divorce. We should never stand beside a grave. Never. It was never God's intention. My heart's so often grieved when I stand with people who are suffering the ills of this life and they don't have this hope of God in their heart. And all they can do is curse the God who's messed up their life. And I'm going, you're seeing it through the long, wrong lens. You don't understand it wasn't God. Just point your finger at me. It was man. Man messed this up, not God. Man made it difficult to function, not God. Man caused tragedy and heartache and divorce and loss, and brokenness and accidents and trouble. Man stole the song of the flowers. Man stole the happiness in the birds. Man caused pestilence and rodents who had another order in their creation. But let not your heart be troubled. 
Because you believe in God. Let not your hope be dashed because he's still in control. He sent Christ to reverse the curse. And though physically I'm still stuck in this world, physically I'm still stuck in the heartache and the pain, the difficulty, and the people who don't see God as I see him. Spiritually, I'm translated into another kingdom. I will have my emotions touched and entangled here with the affairs of this life, but I have come out from among them. And just about the time my mind gets troubled, I'll have to remind myself, I'm not a citizen of this world. I'm a citizen of the kingdom. I'm as patriotic as any man can be, and I'll fly the red, white, and blue. But my heart, I guess my outside nature is American, but my heart is a citizen of the kingdom of God. Ask me where my loyalties lie. As good as it is, America will fail me, but God never will. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You can do this. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.